I still hate the fact they changed the name because it used to be it, it's no, it's it sounds like the the Charlie Brown of the Oh man. Anyway, uh this isn't a Charlie Brown podcast. Uh what kind of podcast are we doing again? Oh, I think we're doing some sort of uh games that make people hungry and mm. stuff and uh oh and... oh is it uh man, man versus food right that that one yeah yeah man versus food like impractical jokers edition you know just th- that kind of yeah. stuff oh my god i we used to watch that show we, my my family and i used to watch man versus food when it was on with what's his name adam all the time but now it's not the same since he can't do it anymore because of health reasons <laughs> but anyway uh hello everyone uh this i promise this is uh bookish babbles the podcast where we sometimes talk about our favorite books uh reread them and chat about them i don't know my own intro anymore because everything's been in chaos mode it's fine but i we're finally i told i told you guys last time i did a random episode the next episode would be us talking about the mocking jay part one movie and i delivered Two weeks later, but I still delivered. <laughs> it's fine. Because it turns it's out fine. It's, the world is in chaos. It's yeah. you you had excuses. It's okay. It turns <laughs> out when there isn't a pandemic keeping everyone locked in their homes, it's hard to get adults together to do anything. And that's so true. You know, I mean that's what it's all about. But anyway, um anyone who's listened to previous episodes, uh, this is Patrick. You know him from the other Hello, other people who are listening to this podcast who are amazing individuals and yeah, I'm drinking. Yeah. I'm drinking tea right now. Am I a real? Um, am I a content creator yet? Yes, yes, you are. You are a content creator officially. Because I swear, you, every- you, in fact, I think there's a badge that just came in for you. So, oh, thank you. You're an official content creator. Yay! Okay. Yeah, and I'm officially gonna be like the top fan of. Yeah. <laughs> my, favorite, my favorite job that i don't get paid for anyway it's what it is <laughs> um what was i say okay so a couple things i want to talk about before we officially get started but um speaking of hunger games movies uh the bounce on snakes trailer dropped this week y'all y'all <laughs> oh man so this is how i found out about this guys and i'm not kidding i had no clue that the trailer was going to drop was it last thursday um i was having a very shitty day at work to the point and then um I- and then i'm like okay after work i had to go for a long walk to calm down thankfully there's a bike trail in my town so i drove to that and took a walk along it it was along the ocean so it was nice um and while I was walking I'm like okay I should really plan to record something this weekend for the for the Mockingjay movie and I called Patrick and poor Patrick had to be had the first thing he heard was I'm going to strangle so-and-so from inspections at work and he's like like, yeah I get it (laughs) I get it (laughs) like oh and I'm like sorry I had a long day where he's like oh okay like I understand yeah what it is and then we made plans. And then I was, as I was walking back to my car, I see a notification from Patrick, and I see it's a link to to a YouTube video. I didn't think anything of it. I thought you were sending me like a meme or something. I'm like, oh, look at it when I get in my car. Well, dude, the trailer's a, the the trailer is a meme, so you need to think about it. <laughs> but it wasn't yet. Um, because it was because 
when I watched it, it only dropped like 40 minutes ago. Um, so then I get oh. in my car and I'm about to drive home. And then I looked at my phone closer and I realized what Patrick had sent me. And then, and then I screamed. And then uh, Sarah called to check in on me. And um, I it was she when I answered the phone, there was just screaming on the other end from me. It's like, are you okay? And I'm like, ah! <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, just me screaming nonsensical phrases. But okay, uh, Patrick, you as someone who hasn't read the book, what were your impressions on the trailer? I'm it looks so good, man. I mean, they're the writing and the acting already. I'm just already so hooked on like what they're gonna do, like for the prequel story of uh, Lucy Gray and uh, President Snow, which is I think it's before he was president. Oh yeah, like, long well before, like long time ago. Well, Maybe not long time, because, um, I don't know, Finnick says, like, such a young man when he rose to power, such a clever one to keep it. So in my mind, like, the way I've always interpreted, Snow was, like, maybe in his mid to late 20s by the time he becomes president, because he holds on to that power for a very long time. Yeah, yeah. so it's ba it's basically, um, so it's basically just going to be, like, a prequel. Is it going to be a prequel franchise? Um, there's only this one book... There's only this one book, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and I don't, there's been rumors and speculation that Suzanne Collins might write more, and I wouldn't mind because of yeah. the way um, Ballad ended, and I obviously won't spoil it for you, Patrick. Um, I hope not. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Um, Yay! Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, maybe depending on how well this movie performs, um, Suzanne might actually release some more books because I feel like she has more story to tell in this world. Oh, yeah, and he and it's going to perform very well. Yeah. Oh, hold, the on. Box yeah. Uh -oh. hold on. Mm -hmm. Hey, everybody. No, I just talking to a friend on the phone. Yeah. Any, anyways, uh, for those of you... Who are just coming in. Hi, I'm Patrick Connolly. Uh, I have taken over Bookish Babbles. Uh, and also, if you guys are interested in any lessons for Connolly's characters, please, please feel free. I would love more You're students. Any of that? I'm, I'm sorry, I had to do a shameless plug. It was, it's how it is. That's how I roll. No, that no, but you were missing the qual the actual quality content, which was me, which was my grandma coming down, being like, "Did you call me?" I'm like, "No," and she's like, "I'm just talking, screaming about a book with a friend," and she got, and she's like, "I thought you said Bubba," and I'm like, "Oh," and I'm like, "No," and she's like, "Okay," then heads back up, and I'm like, "Love you," and she goes, "Love me too." <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but yeah, sh shameless plug. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Call these characters, everybody. Oh, what, were, what were we talking about before? Uh, the tra uh, the trailer and how we think there might be more story to tell. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say like I think maybe like if it's very successful, like Susan Collins will definitely write more stories. Um, for for it, I mean, I just don't know. Well, what they'll know. I haven't, I haven't read the book, so is is the book like just one contained story? Yes, it's very much. Okay. It's very much like a one, uh, story that takes place you know, during the summer of the 10 Hunger Games. Okay. Yeah, which, All right. By the way, this isn't, fun fact, and this isn't a spoiler, uh, it's just a, a cool detail from the book that I'm not sure if they'll, you know, include in the movie, yeah. but Reaping Day always takes place on the 4th of July. Get out. 
Nope, did not learn. We didn't know that until we read until ballad book. Wow. <laughs> I know. Fourth of July. That yeah, that's a true holiday right there. <laughs> so like last year on like the Hunger Games groups that I'm on on Facebook during the Fourth of July, everyone's like, "Happy." <laughs> so, um anyone know how to make uh the dress that lucy wears in the trailer asking for a friend you're asking the wrong person i thought i thought the design like because i'm not a costume designer i can't picture how how clothes will look pretty i was just the whole time i was reading i was like struggling to picture what that dress would look like and i'm just imagining a very bright very colorful kind of skirt that you would see it it that you would see i don't know maybe on like a pride parade or something which oh look fantastic by the way but i'm like wow that really sticks out from this world but no the dress they designed for the movie it sticks out and obviously it has a lot of color pop uh colors involved but still fits well into the world so um so cats off to the costume designers for for her dress in that one yeah no i mean the the film itself just looks gorgeous throughout like i'm really excited to see it with like the visual style for it and uh francis lawrence who directed uh three of the hunger games movies are coming back is coming back to direct it which is really cool oh, he's uh, already directed it the movie's filmed well i mean you know what i mean he directed <laughs> yes the trailer directed it, and he's it but not ready yet so i i mean i'm, I'm still trying to like wait I a little know. bit but, I know, but I no, it's it's just really cool that he came back to direct it, and it just shows like just how much of you know of a passion that he does have for the story of the Hunger Games itself. You know, so it's it's really cool. And also Peter Dinklage and Viola Davis. Why not? Yeah, Peter Peter Dinklage and Viola Davis. Like, what an amazing casting voices. Really. So good, especially Viola. Let's say you have you. This woman is messed up that Viola's playing in the movie. It's, I can't yeah. wait. I'm going to be terrified, but I can't wait to see it. Well, I mean, Viola Davis, I mean, she is known for bringing that's, she's known for bringing that sense of like intensity to every single one of her roles. And it's just so brilliant to watch. Also, Rick alumni, baby, let's go. Yeah. A school she'll never go back to, and I don't blame her. I, uh, it's, well, that's another podcast for that's another, anyways, story. Uh, anyways so uh moving yeah. on yes yeah, uh, francis lawrence and his brilliant directing style something he does in like all the movies like i mean all the all the movies he directs but especially for mockingjay is that because in the mockingjay book we only see president snow uh i think one or two times on screen for like the interviews that they watch in the, yeah. in the in District 13, like the interviews they watch of him like on the television, the Capitol, and then the final like conversation in part two, which we'll talk more about when we're talking about Mockingjay mm -hmm. part two, obviously. But like, yeah. but because the book's told from Katniss's point of view, we only see him on screen. And then when she talks to him in the greenhouse and then obviously the execution where mm -hmm. as the movie, like we get to see his side of things on the, on the war and more scenes scenes with him so the, so i'm excited to see again the character work that francis puts into young coriolanus in ballad mm -hmm. yeah. like, um, 
like um I don't know I was trying to I was trying uh little words life happens <laughs> I am on the phone all day talking to people and um, I get it man <laughs> it's a blue and like my entire phone conversations are just blooper reels half the time but but anyway uh so that and like this movie um like I said does a lot of personal character work but Okay, what I am curious something I want to I want to talk about before I forget to um, yeah. is that like is that I had this experience when I read the books for the first time like when Catch Fire ends and it's like there is no District Twelve and Katniss seems mm. fired up and you're like yes let's ready for the war take down the Capitol and then immediately like with both the book and the movie it opens up with um, Katniss not being the avenging warrior that we were kind of hyped up to believe especially mm. I feel like especially in like the marketing of the franchise, which funny enough, I don't really remember what the trailer was or what the marketing was like for Mockingjay part one. I feel like after Catching Fire, the marketing had almost stopped, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, and Katniss, like she, like the first scene in the movie is just her in a closet having a panic attack. I, I thought when I saw it this afternoon, I thought she was actually outside somewhere, like in like some sort of area. And she was just like kind of curled up, just like holding, like holding her legs, just kind of like, oh. uh, no, you know, I'm Katniss Everdeen, and I don't want to go back and stuff. And it was just like really intense. I don't know if she was outside of a closet. But... No, she was definitely still underground. In, in no, the... she was underground. Yeah, for yeah, sure. No, wait, might, wait, I'm in a closet. It might have been like a sewer area. I don't know. In the no, book... it looked like a sewer. Yeah, it, in, it looked. In the book, she was always hiding in closets. So I made many jokes about Katniss being. So... <laughs> So wait, so how did the book begin in comparison? So to the, the book actually begins with Katniss walking around at, in the ashes of District Twelve, and we oh, kind of wow. get some, oh, okay. So and we kind of get some exposition of you know the decision to send her to Twelve because she's spent like a month kind of hospitalized, obviously because yeah she's very traumatized after surviving. Yeah, surgery. I mean I would be too. Like seriously, it's messed up. Yeah. But like both the book and the movie do not shy away from the reality of of yeah um you're gonna be fucked up after going through an experience like that and you're probably not gonna not gonna be okay kids <laughs> yeah and you know the the funny thing about the movie itself is I remember the first time I saw this which is almost ten years ago by the way oh, oh mind me uh, <laughs> so. I remember the first time seeing this, like throughout the whole film, I was feeling like very tired. And I'm not saying that because I was like bored, because A, a lot of the classes at Rick have been like just trying to like, you know, get stuff out of me and everything. And I just was like, okay, I'm exhausted. I try to focus and try to do things. Um, but also just the tone it takes in this film in comparison to the first two which the, the first two don't get me wrong it's still pretty grim i mean this is a grim reality that people you know have to go through like getting your names called for uh, a, a game that you are probably going to get murdered for but this this third one especially like in the first 10 20 minutes like they let you know right away it's like no we mean business mm -hmm. you know we we don't we, we're not trying to really play around. Like, there's a point, like, in the first half where we are reintroduced to Effie, but she's not in her, you know, typical costume where she's more, like, just like everybody else. 
which I thought was fascinating, which we can dive a little bit um, into it at some point later on. Mm -hmm. um, but but basically, getting back to what I was saying, like, I just remember being so, like, oppressed watching it, because I just, there's this sense of oppression, like, throughout the whole, at least the whole movie, but especially, like, the first half of it. And it's just kind of like, I don't really feel like there's any room to really breathe. It's almost like no comfort to it, um, which gives the film much needed atmosphere for what the characters are feeling um, throughout the moment, which I, I appreciated a lot. Um, and yet, and yet, there's still some time for cat humor, which I appreciate. So. Yeah, always time for cat humor. Um, cat, uh, Katniss and Buttercup have the most epic and... Uh, and well-developed um, relationship in the entire frame. They do. They, 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 they do. Like Buttercup and Cat, like they just are, they just are so connected to one another, and they just. They know, they it's great. But, but um, but yeah, what you were saying about the tone, it actually does match really well with the book because Katniss, um, even at the beginning of the book, she when she's hospitalized, she's labeled as mentally disoriented, so she feels yeah. all the time even yeah. like, like there's even moments where she just like when she just runs across a room she's suddenly very tired like yeah. she cannot do the things that she that used to come so easily to her and it takes her a long time to be able to build that strength back up and you know without diving too much into detail um it's a very like fatigue is a very common side effect for someone with depression and obviously Katniss is depressed Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. She's she has like very little um excitement about life to say the least all throughout Mockingjay. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because after you've gone through not one but two Hunger Games that will pretty much could pretty much traumatize anybody who goes into that games, like yeah, you are going to feel some sort of fatigue and like disorientation throughout, yeah. and and then. Cause so and then in the so in the movie like we're introduced to her she just gets out of the hospital and then we start meeting all of the new characters like first we meet we meet Boggs who is the best and I know the fandom is always referencing to Hamish as Katniss's father figure but I maintain Hamish is quite oh. literally the drunk uncle Boggs is her real actual like father figure. Okay, so Boggs correct me if I'm wrong. He's the guy in the wheelchair. Is that? No, oh, that's Beady. Oh, that's BD. Okay, I'm trying Bob to remember. Is the is like the commander who one of like the top ranking commanders, the bald one who, who like escorts Katniss everywhere. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's it's like one of my favorite actors too, who played him. I um, forget the actor's name too. Mahersh. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, I'm sorry, the award winner. Mahershala. Uh, oh, uh, Mahersh Mahershala Ali. I am. I totally messed that up. It's okay. Um, but uh. Yeah, no, he's like one of my favorite actors working right now. Um, and I, it was surprising because I forgot that he was in uh, this movie. So it was just like, oh, this is really cool. So. And then it's kind of same thing with Coin, Julianne Moore. Um, yeah, Julianne Moore too. Yeah. Because funny enough, because weirdly, um, the first time I watched this movie was obviously in theaters, and it wasn't until 2020 that I watched Mockingjay Part One and Two again. Mm -hmm. um, when um the world started falling apart and i decided which, which kind of is like the perfect movie to watch when you're 
suck at isolation. Or maybe it's maybe too perfect of a movie to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's like, oh, stuck in my house, pandemic. And let's not forget how we got some exposition about how at one point in 13, there was an epidemic that wiped out part of the country. Yeah, and, and, a, and, a, and, a and a president of the Capitol who is uh, crazy bananas and just, and thank God we have a, one but anyways back to the point <laughs> anywho um but yeah julianne moore is in this movie and given how we know where i mean i obviously knew where her character was going to go when i saw these movies for the first time but like what was your first impression of her throughout when the first time you watched this move this movie and like that whole scene where she's interacting with katniss she's like checking off all the boxes of how she's supposed to come off as like you know comforting supportive like this is totally not the capital guys yeah and and it's been a while since i've seen mark and j part two um so i assume from my memory she becomes the actual villain and not snow in the movie yeah she's basically yeah. eventually going going to it becomes clear as these movies play out that if she's allowed to take power she will essentially be the next president snow yeah okay so yeah and she really does play that facade really well in in mark and jay part one you know because it's like which funny enough when we first meet young coriolanus snow in ballad of songbirds and snakes there's like a quote from the book where it says like i'm gonna butcher this quote but it's like uh charm was his what what's it called i forget the word already and i actually what is it his fault no, not Folly, like, because he's very charming. He's very good at being charming and getting people to like him and be on his side. Uh, charm was his superpower. No, not superpower. <laughs> don't don't worry. I do Bring have... out the book. Okay, I do have one of my copies here. Hold on, I got to According to the rules. Hold on, I got I to gotta climb over uh, Baby Yoda. Don't mind me. Don't you mean Grogu? Listen. Listen, he was introduced to me as Baby Yoda, and he's forever out going to be Baby Yoda. And I just okay, fine. He's Baby Yoda. Whatever. Look how cute he is. He's he's adorable. Yeah, but anyway, yeah, this is the copy I got in Ireland. There we go, and it's green too, which is oh. perfect. Wait, oh wait, I can't find it, but I think it was charm was his currency or something like that. Anyway. Oh, yeah, I yeah. That makes that makes better sense. Anyway, this is wildly. Oh, I do I do like the word superpower. Yeah, we're getting wildly off topic now, but that's fine. Oh, also, <laughs> I have. Well, no, it, it makes sense though. Talking about snow and like the Hunger Games and. Uh, oh, is that is that Obi? Yes, I have a mini squish mellow of Obi Wan Kenobi. There we go. There we go. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Anyway. <laughs> they're just gonna hang out with me for the rest of the episode now it's fine guys i also just got back from watching return to the jedi in theaters which is very fitting actually because we're talking about a movie that's about you know rebellion revolution and obviously star mm. wars is big on rebellion but the original star wars trilogy funny enough i think um is very much the like kind of how do i put this hollywood way of rebe of, of rebellion like epic story telling out your classic like heroes yep. um, like you know it's very clear empire good uh, empire bad rebels good yep. um and then think about the mockingjay movies it kind of peels back how do i put this the glamour of revolution yeah. if that makes sense it does 
Yeah, um, you definitely get more of like a behind the scenes look on like how people promote uh, rebellion and revolution in some capacity, um, especially during that scene with um, with Katniss like being like being taped for a revolutionary. That's one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Yeah, and, and then uh, by the way, uh, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, rest in peace. Um, like he is like one of my he's like one of my favorite actors. Um, whoever existed. And it was his last movie too. I was just like, man, it's, it's like, sad. But um, but anyways, he has one of my favorite moments in that scene in particular, where like you know, Candace is trying to say the line, and then Porridge is like, "This this isn't right. This is wrong." And I'm like, "Okay, I'm sorry. I I messed up." And he tried to count out a little. Bit. Like, You've just been in battle. No, no, I'm sorry. You've just been in battle. Oh, you. I, I should have been calmer that time. I, I apologize. It was so good. Um, yeah. But yeah, and actually, someone pointed out some, um, something really great is that um, when like kind of comparing Katniss and Lucy Gray, and again, this isn't really a spoiler, but it's like Katniss is, or Lucy Gray is what happens when you put a performer in a situation where a hunter would be preferred, and then Katniss's situation where you put a hunter in the position of where a performer would be preferred. Oh, smart. So, That's ha -ha. Smart. I love that. Yeah. But, oh, also, I just want to say, um, at the time that these movies were coming out in this book, everyone was shitting on it because it was like, it's like, oh, there's no, there's no fighting. Uh, there's, it's just like. Who no, I was, was going to say, it, I, from before I saw the movie, it was considered like the worst of the three books. Oh, yeah. And it's like, who's, I was like, who cares about uh, pro propaganda? But now, but now, because we we're talking about Star Wars a second ago, with. Yeah like Andor coming out, people are more interested Yo. in like, the grounded realism of revolution, how the behind Go the scenes work. So Mockingjay did it before it was cool. Yeah, and also um, just a sidetrack, Andor is a piece of art, so please everybody who hasn't seen it, watch it. It's so freaking good. But anyways, yeah, you make a good point because you know, the first two Hunger Games, you know, had a lot of, like, action sequences and everything, whereas Mockingjay Part 1, there's some action here and there, but most of it is very much setting up trying to take over the capital and everything and i think that's the stuff that actually does intrigue me a lot because it shows like them going into the ideas of like what to do in order to take down snow and everybody involved um also poor Peter, man <laughs> poor Peter. my god like when i tell We'll get more into that later. Oh yeah, we'll get more into that. We'll get more into that later. But um, also kind of just going off your point of just seeing all like the behind the scenes stuff, especially with the propaganda. Propaganda. Um, shout out to uh, Cressida, who was the director. She's she's grossly underrated and played mm. by the wonderful Natalie Dormer, of course, in the movie. God, that's a familiar name. Who did she? She was in Game of Thrones. She was uh, Anne Boleyn in the Tudors series. Oh, oh, cool. Yeah, but she, but she's the one with like the half shaved head, and she can make that yes. incredible. She's one of the most beautiful humans on the planet. Because if you, can oh, make she was also old. she was also in Captain America: The First Avenger. Oh yeah, she played um, a, she played the woman who uh, kissed uh, Steve. Was like, "Come here, big hot shot," and then Peggy walked in and was like, "Fuck you guys." <laughs> <laughs> and that, and now it's a Marvel podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
that. How many fandoms can I reference in one podcast? It's it's it. everything everywhere all at once. So exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking 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 of which, that's kind of connected. Uh, I saw the fi- the trailer for the new Indiana Jones movie played right before Return of the Jedi. <laughs> they also played the trailer for the Gar- for the Guardians movie, and, and they reminded me that's coming out next weekend. And also, my emotions are going to be totally obliterated. <laughs> also, while we were still kind of talking about Star Wars, uh, Dave Filoni, if you're listening, um, if anything happens to Rex in the Ahsoka series, I will not recover. I will absolutely not recover. We, we, will, we will go to your office at Lucasfilm, and we will just take over <laughs> everything you will do. No, no, Dave, you're, you're great. I love you, man. You're, you're no, what we will do is we will steal his cowboy hat, because he definitely holds that dear. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, and what, he thinks he's Woody. Anyways... <laughs> Anyways, going back to Mockingjay. What is this podcast? I don't know anymore. Uh, it's 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 whatever your heart desires. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, we'll talk about Effie now because we were kind of covering characters yeah. that and Effie kind of gets a reintroduction. In this. Um. So, and what's what's interesting because I know you've only read the first Hunger Games book. Um, Effie's actually not in the book, really. Oh, really? He's oh. not in District Thirteen. So. What in the book? Um, Plutarch has an assistant who ran away with him from the cap from the capital. Her name's Fulvia. Um, she she's basically plays Effie's role in the movie. But um, while they were making Catching Fire, um, Suzanne Collins just fell in love with Elizabeth Banks' performance, and you know Effie was you know mm. super popular, especially with Catching Fire. So Suzanne, yeah. like Francis Lawrence, didn't suggest this. Suzanne Collins went to like Francis Lawrence the production team and was like so Fulvia who uh <laughs> for this right and it's like oh sure I mean you're you're the one who created the universe so you might and as well the, and I mean, Elizabeth Banks like loves these movies like she was like she wanted to play Effie as soon as this movie was greenlit so she was more than happy to do it and I love so much what they did with her character. <laughs> yeah, like that's her. That's Elizabeth Banks's best performance. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of other films that she was in, but I can't think of one performance where like she really just put everything on the table on the mahogany with this performance. <laughs> God, and and, Yay! <laughs> and um, and I think like just the way Effie, because like you said, Effie kind of like is has to wear the same jumpsuit as everyone, but she yeah. still manages to find her own style within she that. has a little bit of like a bracelet on and that hair piece. yeah like, a little bit just a little bit of that and and this makes me realize that all along effie does have a rebellious spirit because yep. and she just shows it in her in her own ways like we obviously saw that with catching fire and even in the book um the whole like effie wanting everyone to have something gold to show that they were a team that was her subtle way of rebelling against like you know this is wrong and now and then again through her fashion in 13 she gets to um she finds she finds ways to to stand out and be herself and i love her for it oh that's 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 really yeah that's awesome what she was able to do with that and and her role also kind of took the place of Katniss's prep team because in the book it's the prep team who get abducted to 13 not Effie oh and the prep team's kind of non-existent in the movies but they play a very important role in the book because they show um 
kind of the quote unquote like how do I put this uh in a sense of most capital citizens who are just so deeply indoctrinated they don't understand how really understand how wrong it is and it takes like it takes a lot to to pull back the curtain and also um the prep and the prep team when we when it's revealed there in 13 um it's the first like major red flag of oh coin might not be the best person because when Katniss finds them they were in a cell being beat up for stealing a slice of bread yeah it's like she may be a nicer president than snow but she is still a president <laughs> and it also brings out one of the first like big red flags in gail too because gail finds the prep team with katniss and katniss of course freaks out and like gets them treats takes care of them gets them like uh her mother to heal them and all that and afterward gail's like why are you so nice to your prep team they were just like making you pretty for the for the slaughter or whatever <laughs> like he has he had zero empathy for the prep team and I don't know I was kind of watching Liam Hemsworth performance um when Katniss and Gail meet Effie in the cafeteria and like Gail was like very like Effie was like you know very nice for Gail she's like it's wonderful to see you again because that's who Effie is she right, is yeah like she's she tries to be kind to everyone she meets and Gail just kind of like mm, like you can tell just by watching the performance Liam was given that if Katniss wasn't with them, Gail would just been completely cold shouldering Effie because he yeah, sees and as, he sees people as the capital as people beneath him. Right. Well, it's this is also one of the few times where I will probably I will probably be a little bit pro Gail in some respects, only because there's a there's a scene where like they're all like the group of people they're all going into district 12 and he's talking about like the you know what has what he was suffering now was that in the book because i feel like in terms of what they did in the movie like that shows a little bit of empathy towards that character mm -hmm. um, but i don't know how different it is um, I'm trying to remember because it's been a hot minute and Mockingjay is the book I've reread the least amount of times for obvious reasons because I was yeah. I, I get very sad while reading the book. I, I don't blame you. <laughs> part two. Oh god, part two is gonna Oh part part two it, it made me like Jonathan Lord's acting is so cool. Throwing plates at a cow. We went through the emotional ringer in Mockingjay Part One, but it's like, no, guys, that's just the warm up round. Well, that's, that's that's the easy day. <laughs> it's like it's like well, it's like whenever I'm, I'm rewatching these movies and I get to Mockingjay Part Two, by the time they're like you know in the sewers, I'm like, can we go back to the days where Katniss can't uh, act on a film set, please? <laughs> It's just kind of like, you know, the people who saw part one, it's like, nothing happened in part one. And then part two is just kind of like, I want nothing to happen in part two. Can we go back to the days where Finnick is crying and tying knots in his hospital bed, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, also, poor Finnick, like, Sam Claflin, my God, I wanted to give him a hug every time he was he, on. He was really good, man. Like, every, everybody brings so much to the table. With, with this everyone in those movies are just so well cast it's unbelievable yeah and it, you know and that's the thing like i'm normally not a big fan of like you know films that are split into two parts because it just feels like sometimes it's just like it's there because i'm here to make money a little bit but i will say like if you have 
a cast that is as good as what you see in these Hunger Games movies. Like, there actually is, like, some benefit to be like, all right, I can stick around and, like, just kind of just watch these performances unfold before me, you know? And, I mean, that's that's what makes, you know, really good cinema, in my opinion. Especially if they've been playing these characters for multiple years. They know them so well. You can just be like, okay, guys, um, you're all having uh, Thanksgiving dinner as your characters. Go. Yeah, no. And and also, I want to also give a shout out, too, to uh, Jennifer Lawrence, who, uh, which, I mean, obviously, she always gets a shout out with every Hunger Games that we do, because she is Katniss Everdeen. But, like, the scene with, you know, the, the places being on fire, and now she's the kind of forced to give a commercial everybody think that scene was just like that's how you do it that's how you bring out that raw type of energy like to the screen and perform it and just yeah i just i i was just astonished i i'm surprised she hasn't been in more stuff recently because i really think that she is one of the best actresses of our generation um so well, it's because she had to take a break because people got tired of see- of seeing her everywhere because that's what happens when w- women uh, actresses get too successful. But that's a rant for another day. That's, a, that's another podcast for another story. <laughs> take a shot every time yeah. we, talk, we get off topic and be like, another podcast. No, don't do that. <laughs> yeah, you, you won't be okay. Yeah, seriously, though. Man, it's, it's crazy. And but anyways, yeah, but Jennifer Lawrence is amazing. She is freaking amazing in, in these movies. Like, I, especially when she throws plates at a cat. That's not till part two! I know, but it's still, it still haunts me when I first saw it. Anyway, and it's, and it's worse in the book, but anyway. Um, um, speaking of, like, Katniss kind of giving that speech and performance, because she's then is the is the Mockingjay. Um, in the move, I talked about how the book um, Finding the Prep Team in Shambles is the first major like coin red flag, whereas in the movie, the first major coin red flag is when um, Katniss is like, okay, I'll be your Mockingjay, but here are my conditions. And it's like, hey, yeah. I'm going to uh, fully pardon the tributes who are kidnapped, being tortured, and probably forced to say things against their will. Don't hold them accountable to anything that they that they that they say on tv and coins like and then she said no, no. <laughs> i like, don't know about that uh how about no uh we'll have a like a tribunal and everything That's... So it'll be totally fair after the war guys oh That's exactly how she talked <laughs> and then of course at least uh, apparently they didn't give her much trouble about wanting to keep the cat so at least there's that uh, see she's a cat person which we always appreciate about President Coin, but yeah, and like Effie said, what could use a revolution is her hair. <laughs> that that was also a great line. I forgot about that. I was there's some really like little good lines here and there that just was like, yeah, that actually really added something to it. Oh, god, god damn, I love Effie. Also, um, any scene she and Hamish had together. Just perfect. Oh, like both of them together, like Woody Harrelson and um. Oh, he uh, fully admitted Banks. that he had a crush on Elizabeth Banks while they were making those movies. Oh my god! <laughs> and and spoiler alert: they improvised that little kiss that happens in Mockingjay Part Two. Oh, I need to rewatch Mockingjay Part Two, which I'll probably 
get a chance yeah, to do that. Have to, you, you have to anyway. You have no choice. I, I have to be a completionist. That's how it is. That's how it works. Listen, I'm not giving you a choice. You have to rewatch it again. If I have to continuously emotionally suffer, you have to do it with me. I, I, we got we to do it. We, we got to complete the suffering. So that's what it's all about. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> like, what's that bit Kevin Hart, Hart says? It's like, you're my friend. My bullshit's your bullshit. Pretty much. Yeah, that's how this goes. <laughs> that's how the story goes. Okay. I think that's a song somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> Wait, is that from? I, I don't. I think I just made it up. Honestly, I don't even know. Fair, there was a song at the end of the first season of a series of unfortunate events that was something like, "That's not how the story goes." I oh could, wow! I could be. I could be. That could have been a fever dream. I don't know. Then again, I thought Roly Polioli was a fever dream for the longest time. Turns out it was an actual show. But you have to be honest. It was the best fever dream of all time. Yeah. It, it's 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 really freaking poly only. It's I barely remember, except I think they lived in a teapot house. Yes, they did, and they had the teapot see. house had eyes. Every single thing in that house had eyes. It could kind of move a little bit. Was it supposed <laughs> it, to be like creepy enchanted castle? Like what is what was much. Okay, cool. And pretty, yet, pretty maybe, much. maybe that's why I. Maybe that's why I'm just scared of everything. As well, well. In, in other in other words, it was Beauty and the Beast for kids. So it well, actually Beauty and the Beast is for kids. What Beauty and the Beast is for everybody. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast is somehow less traumatizing than Roly Poly Oly. I I don't know how that works because I mean I remember being traumatized by the Beast as a kid. So I'm like, <laughs> listen, I was scared of the Beast as a kid, but then he gave her a library, so I forgave him that, for. That is true. That is he he lost some scary you points. In library. Yeah, is that is that real? Yeah, no, this is. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, th I thought you were like had a background. The, yeah. For whatever reason, the green screen effect doesn't work on my computer for Zoom. So no, this is real. Oh, it's real. That's cool. Yeah, and back there, I don't know if you can see it, but behind the yellow chair, there's all my Star Wars books. Yes. Just to okay. make sure everyone knows, I'm a nerd. I have an entire shelf of Star Wars books. Wait, what's a Star Wars? Don't make Grogu come for you. What's Grogu? Hey, you said Grogu! Wait a minute, you said Grogu, not Baby Yoda! I anyway, let's, let's go I back to Hunger Games. <laughs> you will forget that I called him Grogu. Who? <laughs> anyway, um, so yes, the everyone in the movie is just fantastic. Um, okay. Also, I want to give a, speaking of like actors doing an amazing job, I want to give a shout out to all the extras who were dude performances in the scene, like in District mm -hmm. 7, when the workers like climbed all those trees and attacked the peacekeepers. Yeah. Wait, what, what was that line that they said? It's like, if we burn, you burn with us. Cause they you burn with us and then that happens. Like, yeah. That was so yeah. hardcore. Love it. Because like, I was like, because to show like, because like in the book, everything we see everything from Katniss's point of view. We see everything she does, but we don't yeah. get to see what is happening as a result of her doing these propos. The movie does such a good job of showing like how good she is at inspiring everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and and especially we gotta talk about probably the best scene for me in that entire film. Oh, the hanging. Is, yeah, that. I still remember the first time I saw that. I was like, well, first of all, I. I know the song is very dark and depressing, but it has such a great beat and such a great like sound to it. And it's so catchy. Um, but also it's like insanely powerful too. 
like what it's trying to represent for the re revolution that it inspires um and you know that it's a song that i kind of sometimes kind of march to a little bit like trying to like you know go to work and everything or whenever i have to do stuff that i don't want to do um but <laughs> it's like for two two things one um i really can't wait for you to see Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, and that's all I'll say on that. Too. Well, because it's kind of a musical, isn't it? Like, because Rachel Zegler is a singer in, in, yeah. the, in the show. But also, um, just like just the way, like, like when Jennifer, like you hear Jennifer Lawrence singing, and then as soon as the crowd starts joining her, that's when I yes, get I was like, it's a cinema baby. And just how like all of them are just in a state of I got no shits left left to give. Like they just keep going, like they just keep going. Like all that matters is them making sure the dam gets blown up. Well, also, you know, most of the movie takes place on under a bunker where like everybody is in like District 13. So whenever you have those scenes where they're outside, like it somehow feels like grander and it feels more cinematic and it gives you that feeling of like wow, like, this is, like, a big deal. This is huge. Um, and and yeah, also, also, this is a random side note, but the the when the little chorus started saying, like, are you, are you coming oh, yeah. to the... Like, when that happened, I it, it sounded a little bit like a Wes Anderson film to me. <laughs> it, it kind of was just like, wait, is, is this Moonrise Kingdom uh, catching fire a little bit? It's like, it's like, who let Wes Anderson direct a scene? I was like, wait, 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 Wes? What are you doing here? Alexander Desplat? What are you doing here, man? <laughs> don't, don't, don't do this. Also, oh, and, oh, and that, the music too, uh, James Newton Howard, dude. Once again, once again, dude. Bravo. Bravo. Also, that one music, um, the music that played, that was, you know, played in the first movie when, um, after Rue died. Yes. Yeah, when they're going up the stairs. Yeah, and then like the music and that music, um, anytime it comes up, uh, like it, like when Katniss is in District Eight in the hospital, and she's like, "I will," and everyone does a three finger salute. I don't care how cheesy it is. If you put that music to it, I'll cry. Yeah, it's it's a pretty powerful moment. Mm -hmm. And also, fun fact: um, the where the the district where the dam is that that's in District Five. So it's a good chance Foxface's family was part of that. Who? Foxface. She was a redhead girl in the first movie who ate the poison berries. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, she does. Yeah, she. Her character is a little more expanded in the book, but she is one of the coolest characters that we never hear talk. <laughs> and that whose actual name we don't learn because Katniss in her head just calls her Foxface. <laughs> <laughs> Although. Although the fandoms adopted the name Finch for her for some reason. I don't know why, but that happened. Finch? That's an interesting name. I think I I think in one of the like when they did a dub versions, maybe for the Italian version, when they did dub, I think um it it, it named her Finch for some reason. So the fandom just kind of we all collectively uh, started calling Foxface like for Finch for like fan fiction purposes. Yeah. I, I mean, Finch, Foxface, whatever you want to call her. I mean, as long as she's okay with both of those names, that is totally fine by me. Also, um, it's raining outside. There's not, so if you guys hear that background noise, nothing. Yeah, it's, it's intensely raining. Yeah, nothing I can do about Mother Nature, unfortunately. 
It's probably the tears from watching Mark and J Part 2. <laughs> it's all the emotions that we'll be feeling when we all talk about <laughs> She Mark throws plates at a cat. <laughs> We're not there yet. We don't have to talk about it. I'm sorry. It. I'm going to always... That's the running gag tonight. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> anyway, um... Where were we going with this? I don't know. Um, we were talking about Foxface and Bench. Yeah, and then that scene with the ha- with the hanging tree. Just like the song is so fucking chilling. It's great. It's yeah. It's like like when it first starts and then kind of just grows with the chorus coming in. It's just like yeah. Oh. Ooh. Oh, and like I do, and I realized so that whole thing started like Katniss singing was because um, Pollux wanted her to sing and by the way this is like the first time in the movies that we get an avox character because in the book we got an avox uh char- uh character because it was a girl katniss on the force be abducted by the by the hovercraft but she's not a character in the movie so pollux in the movie for movie viewers is the first time we meet an avox hmm. and and yeah it's it's still disturbing the way they just casually cut out people's tongues and also paul it's another underrated character by the way yes he is. yeah oh by the way um in my in the book and i know you would know this because you haven't read the book patrick but um we yeah. actually learned the um avox girl that katniss knew who was like serving her in the tribute center we actually learned her name her name's lavinia Oh, Lavinia, nice. That's a nice name. He also dies, but... Yeah, it's the Hungry Games. (laughs) It's uh, it's sad like that. Yeah, she was tortured to to death after Katniss was rescued from the arena, like you do. Yeah, Peter got to watch that happen too, by the way. Oh, man. Uh, Are we ready to dive into what they do with Peter in this? Go ahead. I'm yeah, so I'm stable. I, you know, I always I rewatched it this afternoon, and you know, you know, kind of watching him and his interviews, and just seeing that kind of like get a little bit more vulnerable. I'm just like, there's something off of this guy. And then the minute that he comes back, and then he starts choking Katniss and stuff, and I'm just like, yeah, we we know there's something that happened in the Capitol. Like there's and that last shot of him on the bed going crazy and everything. It's like... Yeah. Okay. Truth. There it is. It's we'll talk like... about that last scene in just a moment, in, in a little bit, but just, it's so much worse in the book after their rescue. Because actually in the book, we don't see the rescue play out the, like that in real time. They obviously added that for the movie. Katniss doesn't get on air and go, hey, President Snow, you there? I, I want to catch up. Hello. <laughs> Also, that wasn't in the book. So you know, so Katniss and Finnick, um, in the book, they pre-film some prop, some propos that, um, Beatty's gonna play while the rescue yeah. is happening, and um, that's when you know we learn Finnick, uh, we learn about what you know happened to Finnick after he won the games and yeah. how he was exploited by the capital and forced into prostitution, to say the least, um. Which, by the way, I kind of overall to overall, Prince Lawrence does a really good job adapting Mockingjay. But what I hate was the choice of when we get the propo 
where that's happening side by side with the rescue mission of Finnick distracting everyone by, you know, spilling the tea on snow, to say the least. Yeah. Um, what I hate is when he says the line, President Snow used to sell me, or my body at least. And during that shot, it's not focused on Finnick. For some reason, we're focused on coin. And so that doesn't make sense in the long yeah, run. I'm like, I'm like, I was like, hello, did we just kind of gloss over that movie? Francis? And, no. <laughs> oh, who are the editors? 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 Um, I hate Good that. Lord. <laughs> like, thanks. I hated it. Because, I don't know, I felt, I just feel like that deserves a little bit more gravity and and yeah. focus, especially because even in the book they outright say that had Katniss, you know, not been a problem, that Snow would want to make go away. Combined with the fact that she was publicly with Peta and they were the beloved yeah. star-crossed lovers, had she not had those things to protect her, that very likely would have happened to Katniss. <sighs> yep, and. Mm. And so that's why I'm like, uh, and plus, like, how often do we get uh, stories where, you know, a sexual assault happens to a male character and the story is treated with respect and with the gravity it deserves? I so, think zero. So an opportunity. There's, there's I, I try to, I mean, I'm sure there's definitely stories out there that I don't know about in, in like cinema or movies, but like, I just... At least in like mainstream, like at least in terms of like getting it right and stuff, and not trying to offend in anything. Like it's just zip, zip. Not even, even know. Yeah, because yeah, because Suzanne Collins, she's just so good in all her books about yeah. not talking down to you about it, if that makes sense, and some and managing to treat stories with 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 the respect they deserve. So it's the respect, the intelligence that they bring to the storytelling. I mean, that's what it's all about. And that's that's something that I found very refreshing, especially after the Twilight phase, where it didn't really care about story or character or understanding of of themes. It just was kind of like it's just there it's it's a kind of its own world its own thing but it didn't have like the hunger games treatment where it was like oh we're actually gonna treat our audience with respect because that's what they deserve yeah and they they 100 percent respected uh the, the the twilight fans by uh giving by adapting things perfectly from the books that, you know, that's a good point actually <laughs> Actually, the people who did not treat Twilight fans with respect, and I can say this as, as someone who was a teenage girl during the heyday of Twilight, yeah. was just the general public. And mm. even, even with the Hunger Games franchise, like, we, I felt like, I felt like, we, teen, again, teenage girls were just not treated with re as much respect. Right. Especially with the way yeah. they were, again, marketing the love triangle with these movies. So Which that isn't really, I mean, it's kind of a subplot, but that's not the main focus of the story. Yeah. And the main... yeah. we'll definitely talk more about it in Mocking J Part 2, but especially since yeah. the love triangle is to Candace's choice, not just like it's supposed to symbolize yeah. her love interests, but what kind of life she wants to have and what these boys would represent for her future. No, absolutely. 
but we'll get more into that in part two, especially because <laughs> we are already showing off massive red flags throughout this whole. Yeah, I, I I thought he had a little bit of empathy in Mark and Jay part one, but Mark and Jay part two. Even in part one, when the second time that you see Peta on screen for an interview and he looks so much worse, Katniss is like, oh shit, what are they doing to him? And Gail's being all like, he's a coward, I wouldn't see him. Yeah, no, yeah, that scene, I was like, you had empathy before and now you're just kind of like, nah, nah. Again, again, Gail sees the world very black and white and he sees as anyone who is capital or capital sympathizing as someone who is beneath him and even in like the last shot we have of him in this movie when Coin is giving that speech, he's like looking up to her. This is his new idol. Yeah. And it's like, oh, so just with that in mind, especially since, you know, a coin is obviously on it, if she's allowed to, would be the next president of snow. I believe, yeah. I believe like wholeheartedly that had Gail been like born in the capital, he would be, you know, pro capital. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I'm well, I, I would say like anybody in that is born in the capital would have to be pro capital. I mean, unless especially Gail. Like, especially Gail. Yeah. It's like Cressida was born in the capital and she's a rebel. Um, Plutarch, again, a capital elite. Um, for the re by the way, one of the like uh, halls in at the school in the academy in Ballad of Songbirds and Snake is called Heaven's Bee Hall. So Plutarch's family has a long history of being in the capital elite, and mm. even Plutarch became a rebel at some point despite all that privilege. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, I don't know why, but in the book, Plutarch, despite all the good he does, annoyed the hell out of me. Only more <laughs> often made me actually like and respect his character. So there you go. That's that's the power of a good actor, guys. See, that's that's the power of Phyllis Super Hoffman. Exactly. Because and, he just everything. Yep. And brain went brain went blank. <laughs> System rebooting. Try again later. Reboot, reboot, reboot. Ay, ay, ay. I like, honestly, like, whatever 3PO in the Star Wars movie's like, I'd like to shut down for a minute, please. I'm like, same 3PO. Same. It's so great to be with friends. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care what anyone says. Rise of Skywalker is a comfort movie for me. I mean, whatever, whatever works for you, you know? <laughs> Anyway, um, before uh, the internet explodes, before the um... what you like the rise of Skywalk? How dare you! No, that's before no. the fanboys somehow find me. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I once said in a in a TikTok video that I liked Ray's lightsaber, the yellow lightsaber she gets at the end of Rise of Skywalker. It looks cool. Yeah, looks neat. I didn't even say anything else about the movie. All I said was I liked the lightsaber and people started flipping their shit. I'm like, Dead. You liked a lightsaber that was created for a movie intended for children and children at heart? Oh my god! That's pretty much... I know, how dare I get emotionally attached to a character that is about my age being intera interacting and being mentored by the other characters I grew up loving? Oh dear. Like I said, I mean, we could all, we could do a field day with Star Wars and everything, and like <laughs> one day in like fifty years when I'm done talking about all my favorite books, which will actually. 
which will actually <laughs> never because I keep finding new favorite books. Um, I'll just be yeah. doing a Star Wars podcast and we'll and the and people will still be arguing in comment sections about the Last Jedi. Oh. They need to stop. <laughs> okay. They listen. I understand. Star Wars is Star Wars. There's a lot of Star Wars. I get it. You people need to stop complaining about the Last Jedi. Okay. Like the Last Jedi is a straight up masterpiece. Okay. Patrick, it ruined my childhood. Oh, it ruined my childhood. It's like no. It made your childhood even better because it allowed more people to get in to Star Wars. Well, well, Patrick, the main character is a girl, and she's a man. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know who else is a man? You need the Patrick's dad. But what about Snow? I mean, it's not, that was like one of the coolest scenes of the whole movie. You people right there. Just... Wait, sorry, your audio went in and out for a second. Can you start? Up no, no, I was saying like no, the scene where Snoke gets cut in half by a uh, Kylo Ren. Oh, I thought and you realize Snoke's not going to be in it anymore. It's like that, that was a cool scene. I like that scene. That was. Scene, the scene was cool as hell. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, um, Donald Sutherland's performance. Oh yeah, I, he's he's always terrifying. <laughs> things we love most that destroy us. And then the smile that destroy us. Yeah, and then the and I'm like, oh god. And that's the line they used to close out the close out the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes trailer. So that's right. Yeah, and this, as soon as I heard that, I was like, oh yeah. Mm, yes. Like there's layers to this. Also, just knowing everything I do about Ballad, it's, it was funny. Anytime I'm watching a scene with Snow and when he talks about Katniss, blah blah blah, I'm just like, you're projecting. <laughs> Go back to jail. <laughs> it's like it's it's like sorry it's like sorry you're still not over lucy <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah no i'm i'm so excited for that to come out man that's gonna be and, so much fun and actually i won't say what actually there um once like the movie's out and you're aware of all the spoilers there's a lot of parallels i can draw between snow and gale speaking of you know all the red flags we, we have to get Gabby on this. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. That's what I. The that's what me and get. That's what me and Gabby are for. Ha hating, hating, <laughs> and pointing out red flags in men. <laughs> good, good for you guys. I'm, I'm proud of you guys. You're yeah, because good. listen, I listen. I was, I had a, a massive crush on specifically Re Revenge of the Sith Anakin when I was ten. <laughs> yeah. No, wait, I told I told you that I met Hayden Christensen, right? What? No, I did. Yeah, I, I met him at a uh, Comic Con back in 2016, maybe 2018. I, I don't know. Sorry, exactly. what? No, no, he he's he's great. I I I I have a theory that uh, when I shook his hand, like that was the good luck that rubbed off him when he did Obi Wan Kenobi. Also, poor Obi Wan, I just threw him across the room. <laughs> So like, what? <laughs> you heard him? Oh yeah, and also also Ian McDermott too. He's he's nice. <laughs> also you McGregor. No, I didn't meet you McGregor yet. Never mind. No, that's why I would just throw this at the at the camera. <laughs> okay. Hunger Games. <laughs> yes. Um. 
Yeah, so Snow is a very, fu- very fucked up guy. And it was so interesting to see, like, some more scenes with him, his side of it, and... And like also his his that's moment with his grand with his granddaughters like but um where he's saying all symbols of the mocking jay you know are legal and she immediately has, starts unbraiding her hair. Yeah, I remember that scene too. I was just like, it's all legal, and then she starts doing that, and it's just like, oh yeah, that's that's. Oh, and it's so interesting because like you know it had to have been driving snow absolutely crazy that his own granddaughter was just so well that's looking up to katniss that's also what you can do with film because a lot of things i mean there's obviously a lot you could draw from books but sometimes like you have to kind of go your own way into presenting a story in a different medium and like the way that that was shot was like oh yeah that could only be done with film Mm -hmm. i mean obviously words were in the well i don't even know if it was in the script maybe it was just an acting choice i don't know but it could have been like in the script that that would have been a thing maybe they came up with it on the day we don't know but also it's just the fact that again because when suzanne collins wrote the book wrote the books you know like us like you know first world country america we're supposed to be the capital and again and when all those movies were coming out like we were all wearing Katniss braids. Like I braided my hair for weeks after seeing the first <laughs> movie. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's what we're, that's how a rebellion starts with mm-hmm. with the Hunger Games and everything. And people wonder why Gen Z protests all the time when the Hunger Games. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. Why wouldn't they at this point? <laughs> yeah, it's it, there's a there's a lot of there's a lot In of. My in my middle school years, uh, that's when the Twilight movies were coming out, which is why I developed unhealthy boundaries. And I'm sorry. <laughs> Between a crush on Revenge of the Sith, Anakin Skywalker, and Edward Cullen, I turned out the way I did. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm willing to call out younger me for having questionable taste in fictional men. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the younger. You look, you look at the younger version in, of yourself in the mirror, like you just kind of like, you know what, you were you were you were cool back then. I'm okay who I am now. So yeah, it's like it's gonna be okay, sweetie. It's gonna yeah. be okay. Um. Also, stay away from from straight theater boys. No offense, Patrick. <laughs> well, it happens. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, it's like it. You you guys are not wrong. It it is very clearly an issue that is happening specifically tenors don't trust tenors <clears throat> wait sorry what <laughs> i hate you anyway <laughs> but oh by the way um you know congratulations to uh everybody who got called back in uh my community theater production of newsies um you guys are amazing i love you guys and i hope you guys have a have a great summer so hey, baby yoda is is clapping baby yoda's like yay Yay! Yeah. Um, I think I meant to bring this up a while ago when we first talked about PETA, but I completely forgot because we went off the rails, as we usually do. This was a very off-the-rails experience. And for a movie like Mockingjay Part 1, which I consider, I'll be honest, I'll consider it to be, like, kind of my least favorite of the Hunger Games, this has been, like, the most we've gotten out (laughs) for for talking about. So, I mean, that got to count for something. Got a couple of something yeah. for Mockingjay Part I, One. Actually, if I think like 
I never would have thought this like five years ago, but now I think Mockingjay Part One might be my second favorite movie in the. Oh wow! We'll see what happens when Ballad comes out, but as of right now, where it stands, this is my second favorite. Yeah, I I mean I will say like Mockingjay Part One, like it. There's a lot to admire and a lot to appreciate um, from a filmmaking standpoint. The only one of the only things that I was a little bothered by. Um, was near the very end, like, during the rescue, like, there are shots where all you, like, you have a hovercraft going out in the darkness, and then there's just, like, a red light, you notice it, and it's just kind of, like, I mean, I understand, it's nighttime, I mean, I guess it's not trying to, like, do anything, but it's, like, I'm I'm a I'm a movie guy. I mean, obviously, I I, I, I know that's what that's why I have you on because we need the movie perspective. That's what I'm here for. Because I'm obviously very book biased, as you can tell from my background. You, you like books? Yeah, no, these are just decorations. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, uh, very Christmas. I, I also, it's over there. I don't know if you can see it, but I bought a typewriter too. So. Oh, nice, cool. Awesome. But yeah, I like I like books. I like literature. Clearly. Yeah, that's that's good. Not like I got a whole degree in it. Yeah, yeah, that I'm so. putting to use by um, having a podcast where I scream and cry over fictional characters. Yeah, that's that's perfect. There you go. That, that's that's how you. Oh, actually, speak. Let's cut. Let's kind of use my degree to uh, put my degree to at least a little bit of use right now, um, because I was thinking about this while watching Return of the Jedi in theaters. So it's relevant. Um, like how, like the chosen one trope. Yeah. Yeah. So. One thing, and again, we'll get we can dive more into this with Mocking J Part Two. I love how this yeah. movie kind of takes the chosen one trope and kind of turns it on its its heels a little bit because with movies like actually even in Return of the Jedi, they take the chosen one trope, especially at the time when all we had was the original trilogy. Um, they kind of turn the chosen one trope on its head a little bit because in like the A New Hope, Luke is very obviously set up to be our chosen one hero and and then obviously in the prequels anakin is called the chosen one and he is but he goes down the anti-hero path and then comes mm-hmm. back and becomes the hero but luke who's framed as the traditional chosen one archetype um throws down his let his lightsaber at the end and is not the actual and is revealed to not actually be the chosen one because anakin still has to take is the and finds up being the one to take the final blow to kill the emperor even though he wow. was framed as the big bad guy and in this case, with with Mockingjay, Katniss is the chosen one, except it wasn't a prophecy or a magical force that chose her. It was literally the people who chose her. Yeah, and that's and, and that's what makes it more relevant to like human society because it's like that's what it's really all about um, in terms and, of the chosen narrative. And so many chosen one narratives are very much like this one specific special person can do this without them, the whole thing falls apart. Katniss, she does play a significant role. She helps bring everyone together. But in the end, it is like this collective community that is the reason that this government is overthrown. And we'll get more into that in part two, obviously. But I love how the kind of the seeds are planted for that because while Katniss is making these propagandas to inspire everyone, we get to see everyone doing the actual groundwork. And, the- and also, she's very aware that even though she is considered the chosen one, she is also very much 
a person. <laughs> you know, she's very she's very much somebody who is like, yeah, I may be considered that, but I'm still like going through things in life like that make very relatable and very vulnerable. Um, also, can we talk? I love what because I was really paying attention to it this time around. I really love what they do with Prim in this movie specifically. Yeah. How she steps up into being more of a caretaker role. Because at this point, uh, like in the book, Prim is 13. She's only a couple years older from when Katniss was when back when their father died. And Katniss kind of had to take over the family and kind of step up more. Prim is now doing what Katniss did, stepping up, being there for Katniss more. Yeah. And kind of being a little bit more of, of an adult being a little bit more of an adult and also I love what they did with her hairstyle choices because throughout this movie Prim's hair was either in a braid like Katniss or was in when she or was in a bun that was kind of a similar style to what wore for the reaping in the first movie yeah and also just um Will Shields as particular as an actress she is absolutely brilliant Mm -hmm. and what she brought to um, and I understand rescuing the cat. I would too. I would go back for my dog. Yeah, no, that's the thing. I the the thing is like you would in that circumstance. I don't. I love cats, you know. <laughs> but like going back upstairs when the doors are probably gonna close and stuff, it's like I don't know if I can go back. But I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand. You, he, Buttercup is a cat. You have to save cats. Yeah. No, I would. <laughs> Uh, my my dad would probably try to stop me, but I would go back for Ray. <laughs> Ray, go back! Yeah, I would go back for that little demon. That little demon, Barbara with Street. Oh, we're going into a musical territory now. Yay! It's and it's, a musical. It's, it's everything. <laughs> Woo. Speaking of which, anyone got tickets for Sweeney Todd? They want to give me. Please, <laughs> please. I I want to go. Yeah. I want to see it. And if and if anyone's casting for uh, Joanna, hit me up. Tommy Kale, you know where to find us. <laughs> it's like yeah, you, my Instagram's in the bio. You you know where to find me. <laughs> yeah, but but anyways, Hunger Games. And yeah. I think we can start talking about Peta as a character. Yeah. Yeah, because like, you know, he's only in it for like about. You know, ten minutes or fifteen minutes in in this in this first part of the film, mm-hmm. um, but every scene that he's in, like you just know, you can tell, like he is going through it. <laughs> he's. Josh he's just... even said in interviews, like this was the arc for Peter. He was looking forward to do the most. Yeah, yeah, and he he really brought his A game to that that part to that performance. And the reunion is so much more painful too in the book, by the way, because I, I think it did come across really well with Jennifer Lawrence's performance, obviously. Yeah. And, and also also uh, James Newton Howard's score as well, like just a little piano notes, like when she sees Peta again for the first time in a long time. It just I just thought like that those piano notes always yeah. they always grasp me for some reason. It's it's lovable. Yeah. And then Lovely. Like in the book, in the book, she's in her head, and when she hears that Peta's there, she's like, she's actually giddy. Like, when is Katniss ever giddy? Like, she's just so unbelievably excited to see Peta. Like, I think she's, I think she was smiling. Like, she was yeah. ready to embrace him and to really start embracing her feelings 
for him and then it, and it's like so like exciting and then and then it's like you see the reunion between Finnick and Annie which is like that's the kind of reunion we're getting excited for to see Katniss have and then it's just uh, it's just taken away from her in a way and, and like all the and then like oh look another traumatic event add it to the list <laughs> And just and again because it goes back to Snow's line where he says it's the things we love most that destroy us. It's like you cruel son of a bitch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you may be named Snow, but you're full of lava. <laughs> yes. Well, he's Snow, but you know what melts Snow? Fire. Fire, baby. That's not fire. Yep. And um, also, just that again, kind of going back to that final scene that we have with um. Peta in the hospital bed and the way Katniss like mm-hmm. looks for him like that's intercut with the speech coin is giving and I don't yeah. know why I just remember the first time I watched that scene especially in the years just having this sense of dread like I just felt mm-hmm. so anxious every time I watch that scene I just feel anxious and I'm not entirely sure how to put it but it's something about the way that coin is gi- giving like you know this um very much like how do I put this checking off the box check marks checking the box yeah, the check of, like, marks. Yeah. of of like us an inspiring like you know revolutionary type of speech and you even see like plutarch mouthing the words and effie kind of looks at him like what the fuck um as that's happening and gail like you know again he's looking up at coin like she's like spread or whatever and yeah and then that's intercut and like and that's intercut with like the grim realities that's happening with Katniss seeing Peta because coins going on about how you look at us, we've liberated the victors. It's so great, la 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 da da, which is feels very propagandic. Um, well, also like after her speech, when everybody just goes oorah, 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 and then you just see Peta just totally like going nuts in the bed. And this the ura just that combination of that sound along with that image is like wow that's that's what cinema can do. That's yeah, like that final image of like Peta losing in the hospital bed, and you see like Katniss's reflection like in it too, like over. Yeah. Oh yes, yeah, that last shot. Also, like the I think I think like, what I said out loud when I was so, after Coin Speech and everyone going hoorah hoorah and the way the music was playing it was framed. My I'm just like did I'm just like this is this a cult? This is a cult, guys. We're in a cult yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's real. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. It's an unfortunate mm-hmm. thing. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what some, some people say about theater. What? What? Who said that? <laughs> theater? What? Being a cult? What? I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, we both watched uh, Catherine Steele YouTube. No, no, we do. I... I haven't watched her videos in a while. I don't know if she's uploaded as many things. Recently. She did. She took a few months of hiatus because life was happening. But she, yeah, I think she posted a couple new videos recently, and she's like, "Hey guys, I'm back. I'm alive. How you doing?" <laughs> so welcome to the musical theater internet cult. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. First we took over Broadway, and then the world. And then the world. <laughs> did I, I? Did I tell you? Like I actually, I think I saw. Catherine Steele. Oh, you did, and you rubbed it in my face after that. Stars in the alley, yeah. She was like, oh, yeah, she's over there. Hey, Catherine, what's up? Yeah. You were like... (laughs) By by the way, Catherine, this is a shout-out to you. You are amazing, awesome, wherever you are. Stay cool. I don't know. Yeah, please. Uh, (laughs) uh, 
And uh, we're all rooting for you to play every single one of your dream roles. Pretty much, yeah. Exactly. But, now, is there anything else I wanted to say about this movie? Cause yeah, I feel like we covered we've been quite a lot of, of things. Okay, for this. and I have multiple text messages from Sarah. Oh, <laughs> <Poor> <laughs> <laughs> like sorry, Patrick and I were screaming about about Mockingjay and other fandoms. Don't ask how that became relevant, but it did somehow. Yeah, no, honestly, like this kind of podcast setup and stuff, it kind of inspires me to kind of start up something involving like a movie podcast of some sort, maybe movie theater. So mm-hmm. I will keep you at, at in Star Wars, of course. Um, if you want someone someone who's angry who gets angry easily about the Phantom of the Opera movie (laughs) you know we we, there's so many options the possibilities are endless at this point but yeah we'll see and if you ever just and if you ever want someone to just go on an unhinged rant about how the Phantom of the Opera is actually a horror story not a love story uh, I'm your girl Oh yeah, it is. It's it's a horror story. Mm-hmm. It is also raining like crazy right now. <laughs> I know. Like the the there's nothing I can do to edit out the sound for the raining. So I'm so sorry to everyone listening. But, but, yeah. but you know, the listeners think of it as ambient noise. Yeah, ambiance. It adds ambiance to the whole thing. Ambiance. Yeah, if you're getting real, uh, you're getting real snippets of what my everyday life is like sometimes. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah, but. Anyway, uh, yeah, we should probably wrap this up because there's probably much more we could say about this movie because I swear every time I rewatch these movies or reread these books, there's another layer that I discover. Yeah, no, and like having these conversations about this movie like kind of like makes me appreciate this, not even just Mockingjay Part 1, but also just this franchise even more and just trying to like go deep. And and it gets me even more excited about the the Ballad of Songs, Songbirds and Snakes. So it's just... It's, it's pretty exciting, so. Oh, yeah, and I'll be insufferable when that movie comes out. Just saying. Well, yeah, don't apologize for the person you're going to become. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I've, I've warned my friends, my family, my coworkers. Like, they all have to put up with me in November. And they're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> one, girl, one of my coworkers who's, like, one desk away from me, we were talking about the the Hunger Games, and she's like, and she was saying like, I don't, ew, I don't want to watch a movie about President Snow. He's the bad guy or whatever. And then, and then she watched the trailer, and she's like, okay, fine, maybe I'll watch it. Say <laughs> <laughs> like, how dare! <laughs> that, that's right. You you ate some crow today. <laughs> I'm indoctrinating another one into this uh, cult. I mean, fan- <laughs> yeah, no, whatever, whatever you can get, people, whatever you can get, yeah, whatever. Awesome. Oh, by the way, speaking of algorithms, I feel like I can't really, I'm not very qualified to talk about this, or not algorithms, allegories. Um, a good allegory for the series that I haven't really touched on this podcast, but I, but is very relevant, is that the way the, tr- the victors are treated um, can, is, can symbolize how veterans are treated in the United States. So just think about that for a minute. Wow. Just think, but they get drafted for war in the, in the region, yep. and then they're not helped with their health like mental or physical really at all afterward because the VA system is very very problematic um in present day United States and yeah. 
but the but then the government especially i was thinking about this a lot watching um in part one uh the government's happy to take these you know war heroes victors mainly katniss and just prop them up but then we'll see at the toward the end of mockingjay part two but then happy to dispose of them when they're no longer um useful they're no longer valuable mm -hmm. so and I, and I say when i say valuable i mean quotes valuable because every single person in the world that is trying to do some sort of good in life is valuable exactly they are oh like like, like yeah. grogu Yep, especially, grogu is valuable. If baby, especially if you're a baby yoda then you're extra valuable you're extra valuable there yeah. You go. yeah yep and and uh, on on that note, uh, let, let's wrap this let's wrap this shit up. Alrighty, righty then. Well, uh, uh, Patrick, I know you kind of plugged yourself earlier, but you know, people know where to find you. Yeah, uh, you guys can follow me on Instagram at uh, Patrick T Connolly. Um, also, uh, I do virtual one on one acting through song lessons at Connolly's character. So if you like to sign up, just uh, you know DM me and we can schedule you in. Uh, it's uh, I have an Instagram page at acts at act dot create inspire sing so yeah if yeah if grogu wants to be scheduled for a lesson at some point feel free and watch the mandal and you can all watch him in the mandalorian too yeah go watch the mandalorian do it and um all my socials are in the show notes instagram the youtube channel uh tiktok for as long as it exists yeah um yeah it's all the social medias i have but anyway thank you guys so much for listening um i hope i to this chaotic episode then again every uh, just about every episode's chaotic See, that's what makes it the best though like all the chaos that could happen <laughs> i'll talk to you guys next time about something maybe it'll be mockingjay i'm just kind of prolonging um the end of talking about the hunger game series because that's all that i've been talking about for like 50 something episodes so it feels weird to not be it will feel weird when i move on to the next book series that i talk about but anyway thank you again patrick for, for yeah, of course yeah, this was a blast as always and everyone i uh, hope y'all have a great day slash night and i'll talk to you next time whenever that is bye all right see ya bye.